This is Dr. Rob Harder with the Nonprofit Leadership Podcast, making your world better. What does it take to be an effective nonprofit leader today? What are the biggest challenges? What are the biggest obstacles? How should nonprofits fundraise in an economy that is constantly changing? All of these reasons combined led me to start this show. And it's my hope that through this series, people can learn not only what it takes to be an effective nonprofit organization, but to hear from effective leaders who are successfully making a positive impact in their communities. We hope you enjoy the show as together we hear how they are making their world better. For some, the topic I'm discussing today is super exciting. For others, it's really controversial. Wherever you land on this topic today, I'm really excited to talk about it because this is such an important topic for nonprofit leaders today. And the topic I'm discussing today is AI. Now, did you know that AI is embedded in almost everything we do? It's embedded in our workflow. It's embedded in our data. AI is here whether you are aware of it or not. Now, in fact, already there are many in the nonprofit sector who are using AI but may not even realize they're using it. For example, in 2020, 75% of nonprofits reported using AI for predictive analytics in order to enhance their fundraising efforts. This is from the Nonprofit Technology Network. Did you know that 64% of nonprofit professionals believe that AI can help them better understand their donors and supporters? Well, additionally, there have been a lot of studies about the impact of AI, like helping nonprofit leaders increase program effectiveness or uh, using AI-driven fundraising campaigns that see a big increase in donor retention rates. So what should be the role of AI when it comes to nonprofits? Well, my guest today is Justin Spellhawk. He's the vice president and global head of Microsoft's Tech for Social Impact. Justin believes that AI can and should be used for good when it comes to nonprofits. I think you're going to really enjoy today's show. Thanks for tuning in. This podcast is sponsored by DonorBox. DonorBox, helping you help others with the best donation forms in the business. Well, Justin, it's so good to have you on the show today. Thanks for joining. It's great to be here. Absolutely. Well, we're going to talk about a lot of different things, but it's pretty much all in the realm of AI and what Microsoft is doing in this space specifically and how it relates to nonprofits. So before we dive into the topic today, I'd love to hear from you just a little bit more about Microsoft's Technology for Social Impact, or TSI. Tell us about that group and the work you do for the company. Well, I'd love to. And I'll start by just anchoring it back to those that we serve, which are nonprofits. You know, there there are somewhere between 10 and 12 million nonprofits around the world supporting communities, you know, from Atlanta to Georgia to in Africa and India and everywhere in between. And, you know, I think for many years, the tech industry wasn't putting the focus it needed to uh, to help uh, nonprofits uh, really advance their missions. Uh, and so we built the Tech for Social Impact team as a purpose-built team designed specifically to support the needs of nonprofit from the front end and how they fundraise, how they engage their constituents to through how they deliver programs and ultimately deliver impact. Today, we support uh, probably about 330, I think is the last count I saw this week, 330,000 organizations on uh, the Microsoft cloud. We donate and discount several billion dollars per year to the sector to keep our prices uh, and our offers super affordable because we know nonprofits uh, need that. We have an engineering team that's building specific solutions for their most pressing challenges from fundraising to how they 
train and skill up uh, program participants. And we're built uh, as a social business model, which is actually unique in the industry where we run and, and take our incremental profits and apply a portion of those back into public good initiatives, uh, which is, I, I think, a special model and something I'm proud of here at Microsoft. No, it's fantastic. Well, and I know this topic of AI, you know, there's a, an interesting wide spectrum of reactions when it comes to AI. You know, some people are like, absolutely, let's just learn as much as we can. Let's apply it as quickly as possible. Then there's a lot of skeptics out there and people that are very worried about what are the applications of AI? It's going to, is it going to take over the world kind of thing, right? And there's a lot of people in between. So let's dive into a bit of that now. When it comes to AI, Microsoft approaches the development of AI through a framework of responsible AI principles. So maybe that's something you could talk about. Explain what are those responsible AI principles that Microsoft has put together? Yeah, no, and I, I just comment on the hype cycle that we've been, right? AI was going to save the world, then it was going to destroy the world, and now we're all just trying to figure out how do we make it useful in the world and how do we make it ensure that it respects the fundamental rights and principles that we all hold dear. And, and within our responsible AI framework, to answer your question, we have six core principles that we use, not just as architecture, but fundamentally as policies that guide our engineer engineering, design, customer implementation work that we do. So it's at the very fabric of how we build and manage the products and solutions uh, that we do. And those six principles are, number one, fairness, Number two, ensuring reliability and safety, uh, ensuring privacy and, and security. A critical one for me in working with the global majority or the global South is inclusiveness and ensuring AI is useful for all, transparency so that we understand how AI is operating, and ultimately accountability uh, for the companies that are producing, like Microsoft, uh, these models, ultimately to ensure that our customers understand how they're going to behave and, and how they can be most useful. Now, it's a constantly evolving model. And you know the one thing that I spend a lot of time on is that inclusiveness pillar. And I think many of your listeners would be saying, oh, listen, how are we going to be bringing this technology into Ethiopia, into parts of Southeast Asia, where you know these models, a lot of the large language models were trained on those languages. And I'm really proud of the work we're doing in our Microsoft research team to really open up our AI capabilities and open up their language capabilities so that ultimately these tools uh, work everywhere in the world. No, well said. And we'll get into that a little bit more in terms of how this, yeah, scales and how this also goes across the world with the right lens. Now, one of the biggest concerns around AI courses centers around privacy, especially as it pertains to the nonprofits that serve vulnerable populations. And you've already kind of mentioned some of that. Now, many people worry that when AI becomes integrated into one's organization, privacy is really out the door. It will no longer be possible. So how are you finding a balance between the use of AI on the one hand, but privacy in the nonprofit sector on the other? No, it, it's a really good point. And you know, I, I think the, the, our business model, starting with when we built the cloud technology to move uh, your infrastructure into the cloud and now extending into AI, puts really privacy at the center. And part, how do we do that specifically? Number one, uh, ensuring that organizations have end-to-end -end control over the collection, use, and distribution of their data, including how these models are using their data uh, and have an ability to opt in and manage that. That is built into the design of our AI solutions. And core to our business model is ultimately 
our customers' data is their data. It is not our data. And there are other business models in the world that are a bit different than that. Uh, the second is really keeping our privacy standards high on all of the solutions that we're building. One of the higher privacy standards in the world is GDPR. We were the first company to implement that policy across all of our cloud services. And then we decided not just to implement it for those that were impacted by GDPR, say in Europe, but for the all customers everywhere in the world. And then finally, we use a security development lifecycle model that builds in privacy by design and creates some of those features that I highlighted where organizations get to opt into how their data is being used and is are, they're able to manage that. Now, I think it's important to note, though, that privacy is only as strong as its weakest link. And the other side of privacy is security, right? And we know that the nonprofit sector is aside from government, is the second and sometimes the third most targeted sector in the world. Their uh, nonprofits are perceived as an easier target, and they have valuable data, be that just credit card information or beneficiary information that uh, nation states may be after. And so as we think about this notion of privacy, we also have to think about how do we harden security uh, for the nonprofit sector as a whole. No, that's good. I think you address some of those key concerns that people do have. Now, another uh, concern that emerges around AI is the issue of bias. Uh, with vulnerable populations in mind, in particular, uh, the ways AI could be a tool in helping humanitarian organizations around the world, how can we do that while mitigating the potential bias that could happen? There's a lot of work to be done in this area, and it's a personal uh, passion for me as well. Um, be, because if we think about the power of AI to as an example, use a language model to help a beneficiary uh, get access to a resource, uh, get information um, for their crops. Uh, it, it needs to operate in the in the local language and the local cultural context that, that person is in. If it's operating in English built on a uh, U.S. or a British context, it's not very helpful. And so there's a lot of work uh, that we have completed uh, in terms of a comprehensive multilingual evalu evaluation of GPT models to benchmark performance, privacy, safety, transparency across language and cultures. And we're working every day to expand that capability so that it's increasingly representative. Now, even with that, we have, I think, a challenge with lower resource language, let's say Swahili or let's even say Thai, you know, you know as, as two different kinds of, of languages. There, we have a project which your listeners can look up called Elora that's run by our Microsoft Research Center that uses actually language technology that we've built to ingest and update large language models so they become more and more performant the more they're used in that language context. And so this is an effort that's not going to be solved overnight, but it's something we're absolutely committed to. You know, our mission is to, to support every person and organization on the planet, and that means the planet. And we're headed in that direction and working hard every day to make it more inclusive. Well, Justin, before we go in much further, I would love to find out what prompted you to get into this in the first place, because you're obviously dedicating your life now to it. But what first prompted you to get into it? No, it's a great question, Rob. And it's a long story, but I'll make it short because it, it actually starts as a kid. You know, my mother was a child abuse investigator. My father built a nonprofit focused on low-income elderly people, meals on wheels, housing, those kinds of things. And they, both social workers, so we didn't have a lot of money and they would throw me in the back of the car when they had to pick up a child or deliver a meal. And so kind of through osmosis, I guess, 
I learned the value of service ultimately. And I've been trying to reflect that through my career in multiple ways. And this is the the latest expression of it. And it's just so great that I'm able to continue some of my family's work, frankly, and contribute to the nonprofit sector in this way. I love now. Thanks for sharing that. It's always good to know what prompts people in the first place to either start a nonprofit, get involved, or support the nonprofit sector. So it's always good to hear that personal story too. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Okay. Then speaking of that, then obviously, uh, you know, many of my listeners would say they're fascinated by AI, but at the end of the day, they want to make sure that AI actually helps them. You know, how can we use AI for good to improve their organization or to improve their leadership? So maybe you could talk about that because I know you have some case studies. Could you share some of those meaningful case studies with us of how AI is being used for good? Yeah, I'll I'll share some really interesting case studies. But but before I do that, I just want to highlight kind of the basics because these case studies are kind of big. And uh, maybe some of the more medium-sized organizations will say, well, how do I fit in? And I really do think you know AI can create value in helping organizations in a number of ways, engaging with donors, analyze, assess, and predict donor behavior. There's tools that are available, improve program effectiveness using large language models to help beneficiaries find the services they need, maybe that on your website or maybe through a call center, improving mission outcomes optimizing how a food bank, as an example, sorts and delivers its produce, its food to the right uh, place, the right uh, branch at the right time so people get what they need or that same capability can be used in a humanitarian context. Strengthening cybersecurity, there's tools there. So it's just so many different ways. And we'll talk in a few minutes about getting started in a really practical um, way. But a couple of the case studies that are really inspirational for me, just to give you a sense of the power of this technology. So we work with the International Criminal Court, not necessarily a nonprofit, but somebody, an organization, which is the highest court in the land that focuses on fundamental human rights, uh, which is, I think, a hot topic today for a lot of people for good reason. And it, it turns out that when the International Criminal Court engages in war crimes prosecution, there is a mountain of digital evidence. There's documents, social posts, emails, photos, digital photos, and it, it is immense, the amount of evidence that they have to sift through. So we use AI to help them not only collect that evidence, secure that evidence, but then to analyze it, to look at the documents, to look at the videos, to look at the photos, and to correlate them to match a person, a place, or a thing to a particular scene uh, that helps them dramatically accelerate war crimes prosecution and accelerate delivering justice. So that's one big one that's been being led by Kareem Khan in the International Criminal Institute that's really inspirational. Now let's make it more local and let's come back to the United States and look at Team Rubicon as an example. This is an, organ- yeah, this is an organization that you probably know, they respond to disasters and really help people and I've been out in the field with them. I've worn what's called a gray shirt, really help people stand back up on their own two feet by helping them recover their housing and, and get into a better economic position. Now, Team Rubicon uses AI in two ways. They use um, some of our new technology, which I can talk about called propensity to donate to help identify those donors that are most likely to give at any given point based on their history, based on demographic data, based on engagement data that they're collecting. And that really improves the yield and effectiveness of their fundraising campaign. Now, on the program side, they've got to match over 100,000 volunteers that they have 
to specific challenges, you know, be that a earthquake or a flood or a hurricane, and they've got to match their the volunteer availability, the volunteer skill set to that specific mission requirement. And we use AI to help with that matching and accelerate that process. One more, uh, let's travel to Africa uh, and, and think about sustainability because I want to kind of cover uh, a couple of spectrums here. Sustainability is a big challenge uh, in Africa. We all know that uh, biodiversity is collapsing. And one of the things that we're doing with a number of parks in Africa, one of them is called the Peace Parks, is enabling that park with IoT technology. That's Internet of Things, so cameras, sensors, acoustic devices, so that they can track and understand when poachers have entered the park uh, and rapidly deploy reaction forces to be able to support uh, and ensure that poaching is not occurring and support biodiversity in those parks. And again, we're using AI, machine vision, uh, we're using machine language, uh, we're using machine learning. Uh, to get the right resources to the right place at the right time. So there's just so many different ways that artificial intelligence can be used to enrich the way an organization works. We'll be right back. Are you looking for an easy and effective way to boost your nonprofit's donations? Look no further than DonorBox, the online fundraising platform that streamlines your fundraising efforts, maximizes donations, and simplifies giving for your supporters. With DonorBox, you can create beautiful donation forms, accept digital wallet payments, track donations, and send auto receipts. And the best part? There are no setup or monthly fees and no long-term contracts required. So what are you waiting for? Visit DonorBox.org today to get started. That is DonorBox.org. Hey friends, thanks so much for listening to the Nonprofit Leadership Podcast. I wanted to let you know that I've recently become a professionally certified coach. With my nearly 30 years of nonprofit experience, I know firsthand how hard leaders work. I also know how important it is to have someone you can call on to get help with the barriers and leadership challenges you will face both professionally and personally. I really want people to thrive and become all they were meant to become by providing coaching and consulting services. If coaching is something you've always been interested in, but weren't quite sure what it was all about, I encourage you to reach out. You can go to my website, robharder.com, or just email me at rob at robharder.com. I would be happy to provide a free sample coaching session so you can determine if coaching is for you. Thanks again for listening. Now back to the show. No, it's great examples from both international and local. Love all those examples you've mentioned. Well, good. As now we think about nonprofits that might want to be hesitant, say, to embrace AI, mostly out of limited resources, or maybe they just don't have any expertise. And so some of this is going over their head. They're like, I don't know. I don't understand it fully. I can't apply it because I just don't know what to do with it. Or probably the biggest reason I'm guessing a lot of people don't utilize AI is lack of resources, right? So many nonprofits are run on a shoestring. They're just struggling to keep the doors open. And, and so it's difficult to think about investing in something like AI. They don't fully understand the benefits of it. So what advice would you give them when it comes to getting started with AI? What would be a, an early first step, perhaps, in any specific areas where there's a low barrier to entry? Yeah, absolutely. And of the uh, 1.6 million nonprofits in the United States, 95% are small organizations, right? Where the IT person is the office manager is also a program leader. And so how do they actually even get started? So a couple of really practical things. Number one, 
there's the opportunity just to build your knowledge and skills so that you feel more fluent and confident from from everything, from how to think about these new technologies like chat GPT or large language models, to how to think about technologies like machine vision or machine learning. And we have a a course uh, that is on LinkedIn. Uh, It's called Career Essentials in Generative AI. And it's a four-hour course, so you know you might do it in a couple of sittings. <laughs> you can come in and start, but it's really, really, really great training, and really will give everybody from the CEO to the program delivery to the fundraising officer the baseline of knowledge that they may need. And we have over 1.4 million. The last it's probably more than that now. 1.4 million people engaged in these training paths, and it's a great way to skill up. Now, once you have the skill, the second thing is. Well, what can I do for my organization? Well, we just launched actually today a AI compass for nonprofits that is specifically designed for small and medium organizations. And in less than five minutes with only eight questions, and we're not going to ask you to give us your contact information or anything like that, right? It will provide a guide and a benchmark of your maturity against other organizations and provide some really practical tips on how you might start using uh, things like Bing Chat Enterprise for creating donor appeal letters or using Bing Chat Enterprise for creating a gala event invite in a fraction of the time. Um, so that's the the next piece. Then it's then once you've done that, then it starts to use the technology. You've got to get familiar with it. And any organization today that's running Microsoft 365, which is 300,000 organizations that and probably many of your listeners, they can use Bing Chat Enterprise right now. And the, the difference with Bing for free and with Bing Chat Enterprise, you're, you're able to use that tool and have the enterprise security tools that you want to have so that your data is, is your data. But you can start uh, using that right away to draft proposals, to set up an event agenda, to research a, a, a potential donor. And as you start using that, you'll start to understand the real power and efficiency that can be created. Finally, you know, and again, I'm tuning my conversation here for small and medium organizations, right? We've built a series of technologies that we call uh, low-code or no-code technologies. Now, they're not no-skill. I mean, they, carry, they require a little bit of skilling for sure, but they're really easy to use in, in terms of creating solutions using natural language and drag-and-drop technology, which is called Power Platform. And inside of Power Platform is an AI engine. And one of the most powerful AI engines for nonprofits is using Power Virtual Agents. And what this is, is conversational AI using GPT to do things like help beneficiaries that are engaging in your website or maybe calling into your helpline, get to the right resource much faster with much higher qualification to support if you're dealing with social services, you've got limited caseworkers, really help support those limited caseworkers in a much more effective fashion. You don't need to hire a big IT shop to do this stuff. We have great training on uh, Microsoft Learn. It's all free. And that's another way that organizations can step forward into this technology. So learn, go use the AI uh, Compass for Nonprofits, get started with what you have right now, and then step in progressively in a way that you're comfortable. No, that's great. Well, again, for my listeners, I encourage you to check that out and, and take those steps and, and just try it out, you know, see what works for you. But I like that. That's a good, easy way to kind of go from here as next steps. Now, a couple more questions for my remaining questions, really. When it comes to using AI for good, 
you're obviously optimistic about this. It's something you're involved with. What has convinced you that overall, what the potential for AI is still going to be on the positive side? Again, what you've given some great case studies. You've given some good practical examples. Is there anything else you'd like to share that convinces you that overall AI can be used for good for an overall net positive for their nonprofit organization? Yeah. And listen, I think we have to be thoughtful about AI because I think there are, of course, upsides and downsides. But when I take a step back and I look at the reality of the nonprofits that I have the privilege of serving every day, the simple truth is that they are facing more demands than ever today and their resources are getting more and more compressed. And we kind of always say that every year, but I got to tell you, I've just been on a plane for four months. I've met with so many organizations and I really feel like there is a stark difference this year, both in the area of fundraising, which is getting more challenging and namely in the area of high staff turnover and high vacancy rates for nonprofits, which is leaving big holes in their organization in terms of their ability to fulfill their mission. And that is the reality. And I know all of your EDs out there are probably shaking their head saying, yep, that's what I'm facing today. Now, Let's match that reality against some research, right? There was a, a, a recent Harvard Business School study that looked at randomly selected consultants. So it was a random control trial, which is a, a pretty good way to do this work. And they looked at BCG. They pulled out of Boston Consulting Groups. They pulled these consultants out. Uh, they looked at 758 consultants. And they looked at their work when they were using GPT-4 technology that compared to a control group that did not have access to GPT-4 technology or any technology, any AI technology, I'll say. And GPT-4, for your listeners, are these large language models, chat GPT, right? When they looked at the 758 BCG consultants in this, in this controlled group, they found those that were using this technology completed 12.2% more tasks, completed the tasks 25.5% faster, and produce results of 40% higher quality as judged by human judge, judges, double blind in, in the model. So it's pretty rigorous, right? And you know, whether it was generating new ideas for uh, products in underserved markets, creating a plan for launching new products and services, undertaking marketing tasks, including segmentation selection, writing memos and letters to CEOs, those are the kinds of things that were looked at. That's a pretty huge, that's a pretty huge lift. Right. And then you take a step back and you go, okay, the, the United States, 1.6 million nonprofits commanding 2.6 trillion in revenue. Right. What if this industry could get 10% more efficient? How many more people could we serve? How many more communities could we serve? How much more good could we do? And the answer is a lot. So that's what gives me some hope that we're going to be able to drive the impact in the right way in the nonprofit industry. Love that. Yeah. No, and I love the fact that there's some real research data behind it, some evidence-based information to say there's some real positives that we can uh, apply to our nonprofit organizations. And I uh, just feel like for my listeners, again, I know I always try to provide some really tactical you know, benefits to you that you can put into practice tomorrow. But I also love expanding uh, the scope of this podcast to introduce you to things like the use of AI. And again, I love the fact that you're really committed to this. You're really committed to the nonprofit sector. So maybe to wrap up, for my listeners, how can they learn more about Microsoft, specifically your technology for social impact or TSI? Where could you send them? And also in the meantime, how can they find out more about you if they like to connect with you? Yeah, absolutely. So I think microsoft.com slash nonprofits is where you can find all this information. That's also where the, the, the AI compass is. 
LinkedIn is where you can find that training, that career path training for AI. And you can also join the Microsoft for Nonprofits channel. We'd love to engage you. We're building a community there. And we've got, we'll have more to say in the coming months on a new community platform that we want to roll out and enable conversation across the industry and reaching me on LinkedIn. Absolutely. Reach out to me on LinkedIn. Okay. Well, again, thanks for all you're doing. And Justin, thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule. I know you've traveled a bunch. So thanks for being here. And I really appreciate you sharing your insights today. Thanks, Rob. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Hey, friends. Well, I wanted you to know that this podcast can be found on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, Google Podcasts, and wherever you listen to other podcasts. I also want to encourage you to like, subscribe, and share this podcast with others. This will actually help us get this great content out to more nonprofit leaders just like you. You can also join the Nonprofit Leadership Podcast community, find other resources and interviews of past guests all on my website, nonprofitleadershippodcast.org. Well, thanks again for listening. And until next time, keep making your world better. This podcast is sponsored by DonorBox. DonorBox, helping you help others with the best donation forms in the business.